everything going good, but you check in every day with your family. And it's kind of like a midday reset, you know what I mean? And you sit around the table and eat, and I realize we don't do that. We don't eat it as a family that much. Holidays we do out here, but I realize, damn, that's, that's where the bond takes place, over the food, breaking bread with your family. You know, and um, even outside of that, just being in a place where you know these customs have been going on for thousands of years. Us as black people in America, this is new. Even other races in America, it's only been, what, 400, 500 years? How long America been established? Yeah. So this is a relatively new culture we all are participating in. And to know that the customs that of the land that you're in are thousands and thousands of years old does something also. You, 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 you kind of feel like there's been a trial in there, so whatever ended up sticking around, <laughs> this must be some vibe back to this, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, um, it's interesting. saying like he's like yeah I, I um I, I know the I know the game of my oppressors or something he said I'm, I'm hip to my the oppressors game and then the other dude was like nah man you 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 took it and you using it against your own people using the same game that they used on you against your own people that's so real and, you know what I'm saying I mean, that's what game that's what game banging is and I you know I had a combo I was it's crazy I was sitting next to Michael Eric Dyson on the, on the airplane on a random on the way to New York. Just this time And Van Well there goes any sleep I'm just kidding I'm sorry Michael I'm just kidding I'm just kidding Nah yeah, he was cool I was the one talking I was like some lingo about him But You got some knowledge Nah for sure And so I was just telling him And I'm gonna be honest And speak blunt I'm like You know what man As a gangbanger Right When you go on a mission You might When you're looking for Your so called enemy driving through a different hood down the street you know it's an invisible line you cross this street now you're in another hood and you hunt and when you're looking you're you gonna pass up the dude that's dressed square right you're gonna pass up a dude from a different race when you see somebody that's dressed like you dress and got the walk like you got and got the body language like you you're gonna say there you go get it and that's deep Whew. you know what i'm saying when you really th- Unpack that. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? You looking for yourself. Rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle.
What's going on, everybody? Uh, as always, this is your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I am joined by the world's foremost legal humorist, Sean Carter. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, brother. Doing well. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, and I want to start off uh, our, our podcast this week, episode 28, on a sad note. Right. Uh, rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. Uh, for those who happen to be under a rock and may not have heard this, uh, Nipsey Hussle was violently murdered uh, in front of his own marathon clothing store in Los Angeles. Uh, and it, it's uh, really been something that's been felt throughout the culture, primarily because of what Nipsey stood for, but also because of what he was killed for, um, which, which seems awfully petty uh, and, and, you know, we are definitely trying to kind of stay on top of that legal case and see what happens now that we know uh, this man is going to be represented by Christopher Darden, Black America's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, ho- hopefully he puts in the kind of legal work he did with OJ in the glove because uh, that brother might get convicted of the, the murder of Nipsey Hussle, of Nipsey Russell, um, of <laughs> John F. Kennedy. Uh, um, you know, Christopher Darden doesn't have a good record, track record in these situations. But um, it's weird that we talked about this, I, you know, because it looks like the brother's doing it for free. Yeah, I, I just think Chris Darden is one of these people that when he sees Black America feeling some type of way, he just finds the opposite path and All like, right. I'm going to get y'all back for what y'all did to me with OJ. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I want to say to the woman who apparently hurt his feelings a lot. You know, I know that that's what happened. He got some sister, you know, laughed at him when he was, you know, in the ninth grade or whatever and said she would never date him. And he got mad at all black people as a result. Sister, you right. didn't help us. Uh, you should have just dated her, please. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's a long time. I guess we can let that go. Um, by the way, just so we, you know, we're clear because there were a lot of conspiracy theories that Absolutely. were going around at the time, it appears from what we know that this was not a hit by the Illuminati, right. um, that the CIA was not directly involved, at least, um, and that this happened to be a very petty dispute um, with, you know, some, you know, young man, I guess, who just gotten out of prison and tried to get a job, and and so I guess it question whether you know he should hire the guy and whether the guy had been a, an informant or a snitch right right and as you would say he felt some kind of way about it right came back with a gun and killed um Nip- nipsey and shot others did, did, by the way the the others survived uh the others have survived yes okay good um, all right so uh, fortunately, they're better. Now, one of the things that I want to help our listeners kind of understand, because I know now the show is expanding. We've got listeners in Australia and all these different continents who may not be familiar with what's going on exactly. So I want to kind of break down an understanding of the low income demographic. Okay. okay? Uh, it's hard. And, and oftentimes we want to cling to conspiracy theories and CIA operatives and Illuminati <laughs> and things like that to explain things that we legitimately see every day. And what I mean by that is when someone is successful uh, from a low income community, there are two types of people behind that person. One is the person who is very happy because this person has set a standard that we can all aspire to try Mm -hmm. to achieve. 
right? So you see him come through with a nice car and you say, hey, he's from here. I can get a nice car if I work hard and do that as well. The other faction of people are the people who are just mad because you got it, right? right. <laughs> so, so those people are like, you know, it's not fair that you got a pretty wife. It's not fair that you got a nice <laughs> car. It's not fair that you got money. It's haterism at its finest. And there you go. Uh, haterism and envy can combine to make people do very crazy things. Now, on top of all of this, for those who are not familiar with really America in general, but particularly L.A., uh, L.A. has a heavy, very heavy gang presence, right? Gang culture is a is a thing. And it's not uh, something that necessarily is one of those things where people would just say, OK, well, I'm never going to L.A. because of this. But you do have to be cognizant about where, <laughs> where you are, what you got on, like how things look. And I think that this is more of a I mean, I don't want to say cultural because I don't know that it's necessarily black culture per se, but in LA, you have to be cognizant about what these things mean. So there are different um, nationally affiliated, I don't know, do you call them syndicated? I, I don't know what you call them. I guess it'd be a way to play. I guess they're syndicated. But yeah, there, there, are, there, are, there, are, there are national gangs, but of course, you know, that started there or, you know, in San Francisco. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and so you're right. But, you know, the thing about it, though, is is that it's not, you know, corporate in the sense that all Crips report to some guy, right? You know, Sweet Louie, right. or you know, on a you know, on a corner in the big Cadillac. There are you know, small, lots of small local street level gangs that all might affiliate loosely under some banner of of, of Cryptum, but right. they're not going to be sort of all you know put the call out and they all can do so the, you know we have these truces which we're in the, we're in the course of having one now which is great when i looked up truces mm-hmm. i looked at it it's funny it said blood crypt truce 2018 2016 2015 1992 the year of the rodney king riot and so mm-hmm. there'll be times which you'll try to get you know the, some local leaders will try to get this together and you know even they've had them sign a peace treaty before where they'll say okay we're not mm-hmm. going to you know kill each other over the silliness anymore but you don't have the kind of you know corporate control that could you know that can really you know either one control individual actors but also the larger forces at at work here you know they they're not just out there representing colors but selling illegal drugs and products right guns et cetera and those right. types of things don't go away when you sign the truce absolutely absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that we like to see is I love to see when these gangs are able to all come together for something positive. And with the Nipsey Hustle situation, it was one of those situations, rare instances in American history where the Bloods, the Crips and the police are mourning for the same person. Right. So there, there's this whole thought process that this Eric Holder guy, he's. He's going to get it because everybody is looking for him. And come to find out, based on the media reports that, that we have received, uh, apparently this guy was found in a very populated area, uh, just out and about, living his life, living his best life. Um, and so, you know, some of the, the, the immediate retribution that right. many of us were hoping for um, didn't necessarily happen. Uh, and not only that, but now, you know, it's almost and I understand everybody's got a right to counsel and a right to have a trial. And I did criminal defense for a long time. But I think this is one of those things where black black America is probably going to feel uh, very upset 
that you are trying to insult their intelligence by claiming not guilty when we see you on videotape. <laughs> plus, you did this in broad daylight, and there were a million people watching. Right, you. right. <laughs> so, um, so we'll see what happens. But I mean, he has Chris Darden, so you know, take that and you know, multiply that times fifty, and and maybe <laughs> that's some some other thing. You know, maybe, maybe he he's the real Charles Manson too. Who knows? No, no, he's in trouble. I mean, he's he's definitely going to spend the rest of his life in in, in prison. Um, and it's you know. Rightfully so. You know, the thing that's most tragic about the Nipsey hustle thing to you and, and I is that this brother, you know, did what we would hope, you know, that more, um, you know, brothers would do come out of a neighborhood like this and rather mm-hmm. than run to the suburbs, he stayed mm-hmm. where he was, right? Open businesses, gave jobs to people in the community, ex-cons, which is why this guy is coming to him. Because he's hiring mm-hmm. ex-cons who desperately need jobs and, you know, and, and they're not easily hireable elsewhere. You can't go to Walmart, you know, with that, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that, you, you know, it's like, you know, it's one of the good ones. You know, it, it's funny. I looked up earlier. I was like, okay, well, you know, Dr. Drake's from that same neighborhood. Where, where does he live now? He lives in Brentwood. And, right. you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about the brother because, quite frankly, you know, you could see the danger and the downside of, you know, staying in the community is that, you know, you run the risk of having, you know, this type of thing happen. And I think, you know, as a people, we really got to be a little more, you know, this would be something that is all black people, it hurts us a little bit in the sense that not just that we, we lost a good brother, but, but also because this doesn't happen. I don't remember the last time um, a a country artist got gunned down by one of his people in mm. Appalachia somewhere, right? It's like, you know, we keep killing our own. Nipsey Hussle was a little outside of my age group, although I did have his song, you know, the Donald the F. Donald Trump song on my, my ringtone for, for a year. Um, but, you know, this is, goes back to Tupac and Biggie. And they're not getting mm-hmm. killed over, like you said, you know, I don't know what the, the possible thing that would justify it, but over large issues, right? These are, you know, minor squabbles that happen, you know, whether it's, you know, what's the name at a Tupac at a casino in Vegas after a Tyson fight, right? You know, these mm-hmm. are not things, you know, that should be taken, you know, the best and brightest from us. As people, we, you know, we should, we should have, you know, we, Black Lives Matter. They, they they matter and they 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 need to matter to us too, right, right. And I think this poses an interesting question for those of us who are still very community oriented. Um, you know, you you have to take a step back and kind of look at you know your your safety and your own personal responsibility. So I think about it like this: like who who's going to raise that man's kids now? Right. Um, who's going to be that father figure person? to see them off into adulthood. Who's going to be the protector and provider for his fiance. Um, well, know, in fairness, his Jay-Z did set up a $15 million trust fund. And I wish he didn't make that public because my wife is looking at me now. Like, you know, oh, I thought they said that was a hoax. I thought they said that was, oh, a, I'm going to, well, you yeah. tell her, call her tonight. I'm going to call her tonight. <laughs> tell her, Cause she's been looking at me a little straight. Like, you know, I, I don't know if I can get 15 million for you, but maybe if Jay-Z could put up about, you know, 35,000, you might be out of here. Uh, <laughs> so I've, been a little, I've been sleeping with one eye open for the last two weeks. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, the, the, the thing about it, I mean, I, I think, 
Jay-Z's people put out that that's a hoax now. Okay. Jay-Z people putting it out doesn't mean that it didn't really happen. No, no, it just means that he didn't want people to know about right. it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he everybody, think about everybody, been, there would be no rappers, young, young rappers left, right? They'd all be gone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, so, you know, so, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, for everybody who has been fortunate enough to make it through these situations in these neighborhoods and go out here and become successful, uh, there, there is a, a tear that you have to kind of reevaluate. So for me, uh, growing up in Durham and being very low income and now being in a position where, you know, I'm, I'm relatively successful, I look back on it and I think about when I was struggling and I was at my worst, the things that I wanted to do, I never saw anybody who looked like me coming back in the neighborhood to help guide me on how to get there. Hmm. And when I became an attorney and I became active and I see all these great black attorneys in Durham who have been here for 30, 40 years. And I'm like, where were you? Like, why, why did you leave us out to ourselves? So I go out of my way now to be involved in the high schools and in the middle schools in the neighborhoods that I come from only because I feel like it's important to make sure that students know there are alternative ways. Everybody's not going to be a rapper. Everybody's not going to be the drug, the one drug dealer that makes it. Hey, while you mentioned that, let me ask you this. How are mm-hmm. the students' responses? Uh, I've gotten a lot of love going back into All the right. Um And I think part of that is, you know, my, my presence when I talk to the students is, is very lively. Uh, and I'm very supportive and very Afrocentric at black schools. So, uh, you know, people know when I'm there. They know the stu- how the students react when I'm there. Uh, and I and I appreciate that energy. Like I feed off of the energy that they give to me. But my biggest thing is I want to make sure that I am providing them a connection so that they don't listen to anything for the time that I'm there. I still want everybody to leave out of the room with my business card. And I want them to see that it says, yes, I work at Duke University School of Law. I want them to see that they have contact information. I am accessible. They can email me. Uh, and if you have questions about anything from college admissions, if you have even thought about going to law school, uh, anything, I don't want you to feel like you got to figure it all out like I had to do. Like I can at least direct you to some books, direct you to somebody if you want to work in the office for a summer and see what it's like. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten enough connections through some of the work that I've done in the community to be able to put people on in those capacities. But I would I don't know how it would feel if I got to a point where I felt, you know, the places I go aren't the safest places in the world. So I don't I don't know how I would feel if I was always thinking about it from the perspective of looking over my shoulder because somebody might be jealous of what it is that I've got or what I'm doing or whatever the case may be. I don't know that I would be able to operate like if if, if I were to say my safety is paramount and I'm not going to talk to the kids anymore. I kind of feel like there's a part of me that would die anyway. All right. All right. Well, you know, I got to tell you, you're a better man, bad man than I. When I first started as a speaker, most speakers start speaking to the kids. Adults don't pay you. You go speak to the kids. And right. I went that book to speech to talk, went to talk to some high school kids and they hurt my feelings. Uh, cause <laughs> they were just like, you know, who are you? And at a Harvard Law degree, they weren't impressed at all. They were like, "Well, you know, <laughs> where, where's your DJ?" And uh, right. you know, a couple of kids are asking me, "Well, what kind of car you drive?" 
And, 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 yeah. and I gotta tell you, this is how bad it was. I was driving a Chrysler Sebring, which wasn't a bad car, nice little convertible. But uh, but they, I didn't think it was gonna impress them. I had to lie. I'm like, wait a minute, now I'm lying to 15 year olds about the car I drive. This don't mean no. And I, then I had to start cursing them out. Like, why? 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 why, why, why <laughs> you ain't got a car at all. All right, what the hell wrong with you? You should ask me about a car. But the point is, is like, is, 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 is that it's, it's funny, you know, I'm glad to hear that you have a, a better experience. Um, you know, the limited experience I had, uh, the kids, you know, weren't in, as impressed. Uh, with, with a law degree as, as I was. Uh, <laughs> if it didn't come with some of the other accoutrements, and I kind of got it in the sense that, you know, this is not the culture, you know, we, we live in. I don't have a son that wants to be a lawyer. He would look at me like, what are you talking about a lawyer? I, you know, I got some YouTube money to make out of here. Right? Right, uh, right. You know? <laughs> Uh, I'm about to go viral. I'm not trying to, you know, do your law thing. So I, you know, I, I totally get that. Um, you know, interesting. Now, while we're in the neighborhood, I guess we should go on ahead, go on over to the for, or to the not the forum, I guess, the Staples Center, and talk about Magic right. Johnson. Uh, while we're in yeah. LA, some yeah, of you don't Magic know Johnson. Magic Johnson was uh, until a couple of days ago the president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles Lakers. Until he decided uh, he didn't want to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, being the, the chair of basketball operations is not a fun job, uh, <laughs> so, especially when you're losing. That's <laughs> you know, and part of me is amazing about this. Now, what's amazing about this? You know, basketball coaches and, and you know, and people in front offices go come and go every day, and and there'll be people going. You know, now the season's over, there'll be thirty of them fired in the next week. No big deal. But what's interesting right. about this is Magic wasn't fired. Magic had quit, and by the way, didn't even tell his boss first. He just walked in there, saw some people in the media room, and like, um, by the way, just gather around, y'all. Uh, I, I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> and part of, you know, people looked at it and they were like, that's horrible. You have this great relationship with this family. You know, you, you, you let them down. But part of me has to say, good for you, Magic Johnson. So many of us spend so much of our time doing something we don't want to do because either we need the money or we need the prestige, we need the position, right? right. And I'm impressed that Magic was like, you know what? I don't need a damn thing from y'all. Right. <laughs> it stopped being fun for me yesterday, and today I quit, right? And I got to... <laughs> <laughs> I got to give him a little props in the sense that, you know, maybe I don't want to do that one day, but I do want to get to that point one day where I yeah. could say, you know what? I, I'm I'm sick of telling jokes to these damn lawyers. The hell with y'all. I'm not leaving, by the way, in two years from now after I stack my chips and got my retirement you know, in place. Uh, I, 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 I'm leaving in the middle of this damn speech. Y- right. y- I don't know what y'all are going to do in the afternoon because I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my goal to be able to quit mid speech, just a mid sentence. Like, you know what? I've heard this joke before. This ain't funny to me. Uh, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I mean, financial freedom, man, that, that's the way. And, and when you own some Starbucks and a couple theaters, man, I guess, there you, go. I guess you can well, do that. <laughs> it, well, it's not just the money, though, because, you know, you got other guys who still feel like they need something. Like LeBron's got all the money he could ever need, right? But he wouldn't right. quit mid-season because he wants to win another championship. He's got something that, you know, he, he still is holding on to and needs. And Magic is truly free, where he didn't have anything that he needed, right? You know, we see CEOs all the time of companies or a guy like, you know, basketball coaches or some of these great programs. They're not leaving because they enjoy being Mike Krzyzewski. That's important to them. And Magic looks like he got to the point where he's free, where he don't even need to be president of basketball operations. He don't care. 
He just liked being Magic Johnson. So I ain't mad at Magic. Good for you. Yeah, man. And and I think it's always weird because it's coming on the backdrop of the team not making the playoffs. Right. Uh, you made this major acquisition to get LeBron. You basically went in the media and sold the rest of the team out to try to get Anthony <laughs> Davis, and it didn't work out. So everybody's just looking at you sideways now. Right. Like, I thought you liked me, coach. <laughs> oh, so, he was uh, he was he was promising by the way to get Anthony Davis. It was another for those not basketball fans, another great great basketball player. But he was willing to trade everybody on that team and <laughs> the owners, three or four of the coaches, the kids, wives. He was like, I don't give a damn. As long as I keep LeBron, all the rest of y'all can go. It was <laughs> he wasn't right. pulling no punches, right? Right. And, and you know, it's it's sad to see what they thought the season was going to be versus where it ended. And now you got, you know, Lonzo Ball might be leaving LeVar and leaving Big Ball up, Brad. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's scraping off tattoos. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, he trying to change his last name to Ballini. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, 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 I totally, totally get it. By the way, while we're in L.A., we're just going to take one more stop in L.A. And we got to see Auntie Maxine. Although she's in DC now, but you know her 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 um, her district is very near, you know where you know Brother Nipsey uh, was, and she had a little run in uh, with Steve a lot of consonants in this name. There you go, Mnuchin. This week, we want to play a little bit of this for you, just to let you know that Auntie Maxine, how do I say it? Ain't with the bullshit. That's the only way I can put it. As a Christian, I want you to know that no other secretary has ever told us the day before that they were going to limit their time in the way that you're doing. So if you want to use them as examples, you have acted differently than they have acted. And as as I have said, if you wish to leave, you may. If you'd wish to keep me here so that I don't have my important meeting and continue to grill me, then we can do that. I will cancel my meeting, and I will not be back here. I will be very clear. That's the way you'd like to have this relationship. Thank you. The gentleman, the secretary, has agreed to stay to hear all of the rest of the members. Please cancel your meeting and respect our time. Who is next on the list? My foreign meeting. You're you're instructing me to stay here, and I should cancel. No, you just made me an offer. No, I didn't make you an offer. You made me an offer that I accepted. I I did not make you an offer. Just let's be clear. You're instructing me. You are ordering me to stay here. No, I'm not ordering you. I'm responding. I said you may leave anytime you want. And you said, okay, if that's what you want to do, I'll cancel my appointment and I'll stay here. So I'm responding to your request. If that's what you want to do. That's not what I want to do. I told you. What would you like to do? What I've told you is I thought it was respectful that you'd let me leave at 515. You are free to leave anytime you want. You may go uh, anytime you want. Please dismiss everybody. I believe you're supposed to take the gravel and, and bang it. That's Please do not instruct me as to how I'm to conduct this committee. <laughs> by the way, can you tell me what the hell a gravel is? Uh, I think he was trying to use that moment of, you know how you get confidence in spurts. <laughs> and he had a brief moment of bravado. He says, 
I want to make her look bad for a soundbite, and it just blew up in his face. But but he was yeah, I think he was trying to say the gavel, right? The gavel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not the not not the driveway, right? But but the, the right, right. The, the, <laughs> no, the the, the, the the gavel. God damn! Can they get anybody in the damn Trump administration to do anything? I, I do like the way you said Maxine actually had a better quote at the end of that. What'd she say? Oh yeah, I think she said something like, "There's a new chair, and I have the gavel now." Like ah, there <laughs> like you that. go. She got the gravel. Yep, she she got the gravel. She's building all the driveways out here. So, so I just want to put this out here. If if uh, listeners will Google Steve Mnuchin, and that's M N U C H I N, I want to do a poll, and I want to see how many people think he looks like Millhouse from The Simpsons. Uh, I think that 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 percentage is going to be very high. Uh, and every time I see him, I want to say Millhouse, but I forget. He has the M and the N right close together, so it's like Mnuchin or mucus or something like that. There you go. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you know, uh, I, I'm still trying to. Figure, I love that you're gonna make me cancel my important. Like, would you have a grinder date? What, what important <laughs> thing did you have to do that's more important than meeting with the with, with the damn with them uh, house when they tell you to? Uh, and by the way, I love that you ordering me. Uh, uh, I would have been like, you goddamn right. All right, you matter of fact, you don't get the, you don't go pee until I say pee. All right, you gonna pee sitting down from now on. So, so, right. so, so, so I'm saying the orders from now on. Yeah, damn it. Um, in anyway, now we were gonna talk about Candace Owens, um, but no, we're not. Um, okay. we have a serious policy on the brothers-in-law cop podcast. Uh, no coons allowed. And so, uh, when you go to Congress and, and you coon, uh, then, then we just ignore you. Uh, so Candace, uh, too bad for you. Uh, I, I think, I think, I, I think Jesse thinks you might be a decent human being. Uh, nope, nope, nope. 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 Okay, good. We, 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 we in agreement. Uh, I think you, you can kiss two brother asses. That's what I've been, two black asses, uh, for you. Double smack. And, and I just want to add this because people have been sharing a lot of the stuff that she's been saying over the years. And now there's like this new group of, I don't know what they, I, I don't know if they're hoteps, foteps. There's so many different <laughs> groups in the culture now. But they've been sharing this like, wow, she's really awakening people to the lies of the Democratic Party. Okay. My challenge to you is this, okay? I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. My challenge to you is, Find where Candace Owens is saying something about the Republican Party making things better for black people. Find evidence of the policies that she's talking about that they are advocating for that help you. So it's one thing. And I'll tell you, there's things that you can disagree with in every political party. Right. Right. Because there's no such thing as a perfect political party. The issue comes down to personally. Who do you think is going to give you the better shot of getting the advancements that you want to see amongst your community? There you go. And if you wholeheartedly believe that a bunch of conservative white men who, <laughs> you know, night who moonlight in front of burning crosses, if you believe that they have your best interests at heart, that's great. That's fine. Join up, wear the elephant, do all you got to do. But what I'll say is, you know, I want us as a culture to get beyond the point of picking red or blue or donkey or elephant or whatever, and really hold people accountable to improving or making the improvements that they've committed to in their campaign stumps and their. Well, and here's the thing is, and, and, and now that you mentioned that, we do have talked a little bit about this because it seems to me 
Reverend Al had his uh, action, you know, his, uh, was at National action, action Network Conference. All right. of the, a lot of the political candidates came to speak at it. And he asked them the question, and every one of them got asked this question, a litmus test question seemed to be for black people in 2018, or 2000, and I guess, sorry, 2020, I guess, will be, do you support the study of reparations. There's a mm-hmm. uh, was a sister Jackson has a bill that will commission a study on reparations, mm-hmm. and so everyone of them is asked. And everyone of them said, "Yeah, I support the the, the commission of a study." Um, black people, we got to get better at asking for stuff. Yeah, um, I, we didn't ask for nothing from Obama. Sasha and Malia had the good sense to ask for a damn dog. Right. Even they knew they weren't going to sit there and wear those foo foo dresses and, 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 you know, and frilly socks and act good and stay up, you know, past their bedtime for nothing. They were going to get a dog right. out of it. And they got, right, right, right. all right. They got both. All right. So we should at least get a, a, you know, a pit bull puppy or something. All right. Out of, out of that next person we give our vote to and a commission of a study. What is wrong with that's what we can best we can ask for. You know what the study's going to say? No. We studied right, this. Right, right. We don't have we, we, no damn money for your ass. Or we got $13 for all of you together, right? You know, go get a two-piece and, 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 and a large drink at Popeye's and split it amongst you. Like, what is the idea, you know, that that we would just give our vote? Because here's the bottom line is, not only will there be not be um, a Democrat in the White House if if we if we don't take our ashy black asses to the polls, but right. if, if we determine who gets to be on the ballot, the reason Hillary was on the ballot versus Bernie is because Hillary had a fifty percent, all right, margin of victory. By the way, right. that doesn't mean she got fifty percent of votes. That means she had fifty percent more than Bernie, seventy five percent to twenty five percent. Without that, Hillary gets killed in the primary. It's not even close. The states that Hillary wins is because black people put her over the limit. And what did we get from her as an explicit promise? Nothing. Right. We need to do better as a people and get real promise. Just talking about it. And, and you know what? It's not a matter of blue or red, but it's a matter of what, what have you know, our, 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 our new, you know, theme song for 2020 needs to be Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? Woo, 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 woo. All right. <laughs> do the whole pop locking thing, whatever you can do. OK. <laughs> and, and the bottom line is, what do you have for me? The fact that we will determine the next Democratic nominee and we haven't even said, I don't know, put some water in Flint. Right. That don't make no sense. At right? the right. very least, Flint should get some water. Right? Everybody else in the damn free world got water. All right. People in the unfree world got water. All right. We should, they should be able to get some water. And, you know, it's the largest constituents of the Democratic Party, the one they need the most. We need to start flexing a little muscles. So this brings up an important question. I really feel like one of the things that will help us to define kind of what the black agenda should be okay. is some sort of uniformity. Right. right. So I, I would hope that we all can agree that Flint should have water like that should be <laughs> very high at, at the priority list. I would also hope that we would have some kind of vested interest in people having stable and suitable housing, mm-hmm. uh, people having access to capital um, to be able to purchase or start their own businesses. Uh, I think sometimes the problem with politics is they water out and divide uh, the black vote. 
by trying to like kind of peg us to one issue over another. So typically when you hear a politician talk about black issues, the first thing they're jumping to is reentry and prison reform. And I'm like, well, hold on now. We're not all in prison. So, (laughs) so, I mean, there's definitely a demographic of people that that helps. But at the same time, I don't want anybody walking away with the misconception that everybody who is reentering society from prison is black. Thank you. That is not true. Um, At the same time, I feel like why aren't we doing more to address the things that create that avenue to prison? So it seems like we would want to improve things like schools, build rec centers, give people money to be able to develop their own neighborhoods. Everywhere you go in America, everybody's complaining about gentrification. And the main precursor to gentrification is an inability of people from that community to afford to purchase the the abandoned buildings that are there. So these outside corporations come in, make them into nice high rise apartments, you know, two thousand, three thousand dollars a month rent. And guess what? They put a Starbucks there and you're gone. Right. right. So that's it. So it seems like we would need to I don't know who's orchestrating this. If this would be a NAACP thing, maybe Minister Farrakhan needs to come and sit down with us. I don't know. <laughs> but but we need somebody to sit down and put forth an agenda that no matter where you are black at. Right. This is what you support. And it doesn't have to be complicated. We can pick, you know, we can pick five to 10 things that, you know, let's see what happens with these things. Right. And just stay firm on it, no matter who the leadership is. And, you know, I, you know yeah, you're right. You're right. And, you know, part of the challenge there is, um, you know, like you said, you know, the black agenda is tough to nail down because uh, black people are kind of tough to nail down. You know, in the sense that you have so many different layers and types of black people. It's, you know, it's like saying the American agenda, right? It's you have upper class, you have lower class, you have, you know, all kinds of people in the middle and, and in between. And so, like you said, prison reform is an issue for some of us, but a very small percentage of us, right? right. You know, economic empowerment zones are an issue for some of us, but not necessarily those of us in the suburbs. Right. Right. And so, you know, I think the challenge is, is to get Black people who have had the most advantages, so people like you and I, to be willing to sort of, you know, forego our little, you know, political chips and dump them in for things like you're talking about, you know, in the inner city for, you know, business and rehabilitation zones and or for, I'm sorry, for, you know, business enterprise zones and, and, and community rec centers and schools, right. And, and, and funding for those things. Right. And, you know, the, cause, cause the cha- challenge is that most often, and I see this with everything, the people who, who are able to direct policy the most are those who are <laughs> most well-spoken. Mm. I learned this with a big debate I had with autism. I have two sons who are very, uh, very, uh, you know, affected by autism. And I posted that I wanted a cure for them. And some people really got mad at me. I had to shut down the page. I mean, a bunch of people come from all over the world were saying how horrible it was, et cetera. And, and the autism community is not even really trying to find a cure for autism anymore. And here's why. Mm. Because those who are best able to advocate, to get the money, et cetera, are people who are autistic, but who are considered what we used to be called higher functioning, the people who could speak the best. And so what ends up happening is that the people who speak for autism are the autistic people who can speak. 
right? The, mm-hmm. the, the least affected, you know, highest, uh, cognitive abilities, highest, um, you know, uh, socialization functions, the people who are basically the least autistic, right? right? And we almost see that with black people. The people who speak for black people usually are the people who are the best educated, right? That lives in the, in the nicest suburbs who can speak the lingo and, and have the opportunities to be around, you know, the power brokers, et cetera. People who can understand the tax code and take advantage of those things. And as a result, the policies we get are not those who necessarily, you know, we're not, we're not doing the Christian thing and, and trying to, you know, provide opportunities for the least of these. Right. Because the least of these don't get to speak, don't speak the best, right? The people who speak the best get the best, um, you know, and the most resource, et cetera. And so as black people, like I said, we need to sit down, have a summit, whatever, have an agenda that's not just based on, you know, what people like you and I need, because we'll be fine. Right. But what we think mm-hmm. the kids need, right, to get to this level. So everybody has an opportunity to be right at Duke or whatever. Absolutely. And I think for, for any of our black listeners, if you want to chime in on our Facebook page, Brothers in Law, uh, and, and tell us what you think the agenda should be. I think we can put out some brainstorming ideas and we can come together as a culture on our Facebook page and put together what our 10 point platform is going to be. <laughs> And we can copy it, distribute it to everybody's part of our group, even to the to the non-black listeners. Uh, <laughs> distribute it to them, and we go out in these communities and we ask tough questions, but not just ask questions because people during election season are going to tell you what you want to hear. Right. What you want to do is you want to follow up when they are actually in office and make sure from the local level up that people are being accountable for the things that they well, promise. Well, absolutely. But here's the thing: is is if you have specific things that you ask for. Like what I love about Sasha Malia, and I think they literally should be our model, is they didn't say, Daddy, we would like to feel better and to have you know, some companionship when you're maybe on the road and seeing these forms. No, 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 we want a damn dog. All right? right. They knew exactly what they wanted. They asked exactly for what they wanted. Obama couldn't come to them with a with a with a, with a hamster, all right, or some other, you know, substitute. They right. said we want a damn dog, all right? <laughs> and they had to go out and find Bo. And I think for us, it's the same thing. It's like even with regard to the, the, the Trumpsters, they got a very specific promise from Trump, a wall. It's a dumb promise, all right? It makes no sense. But you see Trump is doing everything he can, including violating the Constitution and taking money right from the other parts of it because he – they ha- they got a specific promise from him, right? He's got to make good on that promise. And I got to tell you, that's what we need. It's not because oftentimes we give them the Democrats stuff like, you know, we're going to give you, you know, more opportunities for empowerment, et cetera. You know, what was it? No child left behind. Right. But I need to know what that translates into as far as dollars. Right. Policies, you know, those types of things. And so, you know, we need and I don't know how this happens. It should probably be the Urban League or, you know, the NAACP or some organization like Black Lives Matter is a great example where they have set forth some specific policy recommendations for what policing should be. And the federal government doesn't control local policing, but they do control funding. Right. For local, they have a just department that can investigate. And, you know, they have specific. And so we should be saying to the people, look, we want one through seven on the, the, the Black Lives Matter plan. And we want your commitments and ideas of how you'll be able to get those things to us so that when you get in office, we can say to you, hey, fool, you want to right. get reelected. You told us we were going to get number two. Where's number two? 
And right. we can't do that if we don't have specific ideas versus, you know, black empowerment. That's not, that's not a thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Sasha and Malia need to do a seminar or something. Matter of fact, we'll get them to draw it up. They know how to do it. I mean, I was impressed with those little girls. <laughs> Think about it. Those little girls said, Daddy, you want something from us. You want us not to show our entire asses when we at these campaign events, and we're willing right. to do that for you, but we want something in return. That's how it's supposed to work, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and those two little girls seem to know that. All right? So Malia, what, 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 Sasha, the little one, was what, two? And she knew that. And we grown black people still can't figure it out, right? Asking people, will you agree to back a study? Right? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my we'll give you the White House if you agree to back a study, right? That's not a thing. Um, so hopefully we will get past that. Now, we got to move to a couple of things that are um, burning issues like the church burnings. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in, in the state of Louisiana, We've been dealing with three church burnings in the past 10 days while we were doing some planning for the show. I got a breaking news alert from CNN to say that someone had actually been arrested. And this story, uh, you might want to sit back because this is going to be hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Let's be clear. It's hilarious, but not in a good way. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Not in the good way. It's more in the, uh, we knew this was going to happen. So the person arrested is a guy by the name of Holden Matthews, and they suspect that he was responsible for all of the church burnings that they've been experiencing. However, Holden Matthews is currently being held in the, the jail that his father operates. Right? <laughs> so, and what, what is the city? I forgot the name of the city. It, it's the St. Landry Parish. So Parish. he's held in the, in the jail there. His daddy just happens to be the deputy. All right, so you know how I shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy. I shot the sheriff. I I burned the churches, and my daddy is deputy. Right, right. (laughs) So lobster dinner is available (laughs) by request. Make sure you put enough stamps on his book for uh, any 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 of the delicacies that you can't afford to get for your own family. Oh, please, he get massages (laughs) in there. It's it's ridiculous. (laughs) All right, lighter fluid, you know, so, so all kinds of stuff. So, we shouldn't now. We have to not bur- jump to conclusions. We think it is, but it's not a coincidence. Likely that it was three black churches. Um, mm-hmm. There, you know, right now we're trying to figure out if he's just regular neo-Nazi or kind of a Norwegian heavy metal version. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The story that I found online, the Daily Beast, so I know it's true. Um, <laughs> but he's, but he seems to be a, a disciple, a follower of this, you know, heavy metal musician from Norway who got 15 years for burning down churches in, in, in Norway. The churches in Norway, obviously, were not black churches, right? This is a, a, a old, and I'm not kidding, no. an old Viking <laughs> Christian dispute um, that might have been at the forefront. Obviously, I would imagine that the fact that these were black churches uh, made them more likely that he would, you know, not have a problem with burning them up, um, thinking he could either get away with it or, you know, why not kill two birds with one stone, you know, in, in, in a sense. Um, so it looks like um, we've caught our church um, arsonist. Um, I think it was three churches uh, that, that just, you know, have been burned. It, it's sad that in the 21st century, we're talking about people burning churches in Louisiana. Yep. 
black churches. Yeah. But but you know, so so apparently uh, evolution is not a, really a thing. Um, <laughs> the other thing we got to talk about, and this is really why we got some people. We kind of you know built up the podcast uh, this this episode on is our debate, our, our great debate on the movie Us. Yes, one of the greatest pieces of cinematic masterpieces ever created by Jordan Peele and ever <laughs> consumed by American audiences. <laughs> that is one view of it. My view in a nutshell, and we'll get to the specifics, but in a nutshell, as I make my opening statement, uh, Jordan, if you're listening, I want my 850 back. <laughs> I saw it in the matinee, so you only owe me eight fifty. And here's the thing: is I don't take Venmo or PayPal, so you need to be keeping eight dollars and fifty cents on you. And by the way, I don't make change, so if you need to keep eight, <laughs> if you need to keep one hundred seventy nickels on you, I don't care. You pay me nickels or quarters, but I need to get eight dollars and fifty cent in cash whenever I see you. That's all I'm saying. So what what was it about the movie that you didn't like, man? What the, how does this work? Here's here's what it is for, for me. And let's be clear, all right. You know, I lost a lot of black for, from this. You know, I'm, I'm definitely team light skin. I, I mean, I lost, I lost a lot of black points for, for this one. But the thing that got me about the movie was the I shouldn't say this. The, I'm gonna say the lack of realism. Now, please understand. I spent all weekend watching wrestling. All right, so so I, I can <laughs> I can suspend reality. The problem I had here was is that Jordan gave me nothing to suspend it from. All right. And I give you a great example is so the movie is that there are human beings and there are seven billion copies of them living right beneath them below the earth. Right. Um, that's a lot of people living underground. And here's the thing about it is Jordan didn't didn't do a couple of things I needed to him to do for me here. One, he never explained why these people are there. They well, mentioned that they were been created for, right for for but but here's the thing about it is you don't create if you need to do an experiment seven billion experiments right mm-hmm. if you're going to test rats in a laboratory you don't get all of the world's population of rats you you get about a hundred and you do samples right you can do a sample size right so if they need to do some research on this we do research with people we don't do everybody in the world we don't create a, a duplicate of everyone in the world it, right. in, in normally we do that. You know, the idea here would be that, you know, Jordan and I understand, as I understand it, he was trying to show, you know, class dichotomies and how we have underclass and so literally they're underneath the planet. That makes sense. But the thing about it was, is that they weren't even exploiting the underclass here because they weren't working. Like mm-hmm. that they had been mining coal for us or vibranium. I get it. But we were, we, 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 we had to keep giving them, um, um, uh, rabbits to eat. They, they weren't even, they, they couldn't even support themselves. So how do we have a planet where you have 7 billion people who can barely support themselves now, and we're going to add another 7 billion people underneath the ground who don't provide any value at all, all right, to mm-hmm. us? And so that was one un, unrealistic thing. Two, the tethers stay with them. And so when you go to, you know, Santa Cruz Beach, the tether goes with you, right? Right. Now, as I understand physics, we could have a lot of tunnels in the U.S. And he started the movie talking about that. But when uh, when you fly to Europe, uh, how's a tether go underground with you? 
Well, I think they tried to limit it to show that it was just for America. So okay, okay, so it's just Americans. Okay, so we just yeah. had American tethers, so now we're down to three hundred men. Okay, so that's a little better. Uh, the other uh, thing is they took over the entire world in one night uh, with a pair of scissors. Um, yes. uh, I, I, you, I, I can't take over Mesa, Arizona, with some scissors. <laughs> I can't take over my block because I'm gonna tell you these white people got guns. Lots of them. Right. <laughs> I couldn't get two houses before they 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 got me they they got me with scissors. Um, and, and, and so the whole thing about the movie to me was now I understand. Here here's the thing is I understand that you have to suspend belief, and but you have to I, you know the exact analogy I use is you have to have something to suspend it from. Mm-hmm. So for instance, when they did Black Panther with Wakanda. They tried to fill in some of the plot holes. One of the things they did was they showed you how Wakanda had this camouflage above them. Right. right? So that you couldn't see them from overhead. Because the question would be, how do you have the most sophisticated, techno- you know, technologically sophisticated society on Earth and nobody know about it? And like, right. oh, we answered that question. And there were so many questions that Jordan was just like, you know what? Black people ain't going to ask. They don't really care. Uh, they'd be all right. I, I just give him a little bit, and I needed, I needed, I needed for him to give me another seven minutes and to answer some questions for me. Help me understand <laughs> where these people came from. Why do we have mm-hmm. them? What's the point here, right? You know, it doesn't have to be realistic. It could be, you know, because it's a movie, right? But I gotta have some basis. You know, when you look at the Superman movie, right? Not realistic, but they spend thirty minutes on his home planet. Trying to set up a backstory for you so you have some clue of how it's working. And if you don't give me that clue, then I'm going to have a little trouble. And, and, and at some point, I'm going to get mad at you. And that's what I did about 30, about, about an hour and a half in the movie. Uh, I, I wanted to leave, but my, my family was with me and, and I thought about leaving them anyway and just getting, they got Uber. <laughs> they got Uber. I mean, they could, got home, but I do like to go to sleep in my uh. marital bed. So I couldn't leave them there. I said all that. You go ahead and give me the rebuttal. Now, what was it about that you just loved about this movie? Okay. So Jordan Peele, as a director, directs psychological thrillers. I mean, we we call them horror because if you have the the related backstory from racialized trauma, uh, you you it, it seems horrific. But <laughs> these are things that on the scale of horrible things that have really happened to us uh, are more uh suspenseful <laughs> you know than, than what's really happened so it's just kind of teetering the thing i like about it is i think the entire movie is a symbol okay. that's what i think all right and i enough. think that this whole concept of the government creating these tethered individuals it's all it, it's all designed to throw you off just like we were talking about before with people always citing the illuminati or whatever is designed to throw you off to explain something that ordinarily that would be the only way you can make sense of it. But you have to start from the very beginning, right? So at the very beginning, if you look, the the song that's playing in the car when uh, Lupita, with her beautiful self, is snapping off beat, right? Mm-hmm. The song playing is I Got Five on it, right? right? There are only four members of that family in the car singing the song, right? Mm-hmm. The concept for me was, oh, he's trying to say that because we are watching something where this family is getting ready to go through something horrific, but we paid to be there, right? Mm-hmm. We are part of one of these families, either the tethered family 
or this family of people who have obviously put some kind of value in things outside of the things that we should be happy about. So you got Gabe who values materialism. Uh-huh. You've got Adelaide who values, you know, what people think about her and being fearful of everything. You've got the daughter who's just a teenage girl into her music. You've got the son who's playing with this lighter. Like he's just valuing this magic trick. But, you know, they're not thinking about things like you're at the beach. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, right. you should be having fun. You should be having a good time. They're thinking about everything else. So we're part of this family. We make the fifth. And that would explain why the movie is us and not them. Okay. Then on top of that, you go to the next level of each tethered is, despite the fact that they don't, they don't communicate, or at least don't communicate in our traditional sense. Uh-huh. They act as a unit. They act as a family for the purpose of completing the mission of Red, right? Uh-huh. So when Red wants them to, to do things, they go do it. She, she has a husband who's super supportive. Gabe really just was a letdown for most of the whole movie. Uh, first, first of all, you know, you can't come outside of your uh, beach house talking crazy to people if you're not going to back it up. So you're going to come outside talking, if you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. And then when they get to you, you're like, please don't hurt me. <laughs> please don't hurt me. Oh, please. That's exactly how I would have done it. That's exactly how I do it. I'd have got my big black voice like he did. I'd be like, hey, you could be something. Don't make it something. And then be be the same way. Like, oh, shit. Um, That's suburbs there. That's straight. That's straight brother. Suburbs. Right. I get that. So he so he gets injured pretty early in the movie. For the rest of the movie, he's kind of tagging along with all the rest of the action. Whereas. Lapita is standing up and stepping into her own to fight this battle, okay. right? And each person has their doppelganger that kind of uh, embodies the thing that they care about. So, for instance, the daughter, I think her name was Umbra. Uh, Umbra has a, a, a doppelganger that is very fast. So Umbra, who runs track and all this stuff, she does this run, but everywhere she runs, the other girl is there with her. So you can't outrun yourself. That's the parable. You cannot outrun See, yourself. Here's the thing about it, Jesse. This is to me, um, black church. All right. Okay. This is a sermon that you would get where 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 the gets up and says, "Aha! See what happens is in the Aramaic, the number seven is the number <laughs> that means not just the sun and the moon, but also the stars. And the star of this movie is Lapita New Angla. <laughs> and Lapita is an African name. And I don't have to have, to, I don't, I, I don't, I, he wasn't explaining that. So he needed to hire a black preacher to stand there and do, you know, a little, little closed caption and explain the symbolism to me. Right. Or okay. he needed to tell me, all right, what the hell is going on because I'm not that bright. Um, I, I, and, 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 and the thing I think is funny about it is this is the kind of thing where, you know, I'll give Jordan Peele credit. He wasn't just going to Walmart to pick up supplies. Every prop in that movie means something. It's a symbol of something. It, it was, you know, it, it's symbol, it's symbolic. But here's the thing about it is, um, I, I didn't buy the season pass for the movie. I only get to see it one time for 50. I need okay. to be able to get all that the first time, all right? Because because I, I you didn't give me, you know, now if you sold me the Netflix season pass, I could watch it every day and learn something okay. new from it. But but but, I'm, but, but I, I got a one time ticket, right? So I need to be able to get the story the first time. Now I've seen the think pieces. I'm sure you probably have too. 
So now there's like a whole oh, yeah, cottage one. industry. <laughs> like, there's a whole cottage industry now of YouTube videos to explain to you every piece of symbolism in the movie. Right. Um, but how do I say this? Um, I, 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 I just wanted to have a good time for two hours on, on, on you know, <laughs> while I was playing hooky from work. I, I didn't need homework. I, you know, listen, I don't want to have to, you know, now I got to write a damn term paper to try to understand a damn thing yeah. or read or read the term paper you wrote because I understand That's a damn true. thing. That's true. But Avengers Infinity War, oh, I'm sorry, Avengers Endgame is coming out April 26th. Thank you. So they won't be anywhere near. At the end of Endgame, you're going to know what happened, why it happened, <laughs> <laughs> and who it happened to. That's all I need. Um, and so you're right. You know, I'm not giving Jordan Peele enough credit. The problem is that his, his movie's too smart for me. All right. Um, but, um, you know, but here's the thing about it is, is that, you know, I, I love the fact that I'm not saying you should dumb it down. Right, you don't, I don't want to do that. Dr. King never did that, but Dr. King had this amazing way. You've heard the speeches a thousand times too, where he was right. able to keep everything he had gotten from you know, at Boston University and bring it back to Selma. Okay, and you didn't have to, by the way, have someone come in and then explain to you later. Well, let's see what Dr. King was saying was. Right, you got it, and there's a way to get it where you can give me something good, but you can give it in a way that you could you know feed it to me and not have to have somebody third party on a YouTube channel, right? Try to explain it to me because you know I didn't get it, and and I think for him it's like I get it. He's a filmmaker. It's fun. It's academic. It's it's a thing, but but um but 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 help a brother out because because I paid eight fifty. So this is my thing, and, and I think the Martin Luther King reference is, is good, but not exactly on okay. point. I think with Martin Luther King, he was trying to inspire people to take action, right? right? So you can't be deep when you're trying to inspire <laughs> people to <laughs> right. take action, because otherwise they're like, okay, what do you want us to do? There you go. I think okay. with Jordan Peele, he's trying to make art, okay, right? Fair enough. And art is subject to interpretation of right. the person who consumes it, right? Right. So I think one of the things is he's, he's laced this movie with all kinds of parables, even the concept of spoiler alert for those people who haven't seen it. Adelaide really being red and red really being Adelaide after being switched. Like even that concept um, is, is deep for people because in my personal opinion, Adelaide and red are the same person. There, there is no Adelaide of red. I think that at the very end of the movie, when you see, the boy, Jason, looking at his mom and then putting the Chewbacca mask back on. It's a symbol of him. Jason's the only person in the movie who has understood and accepted that Pluto, his doppelganger, is him. Like, it's the same person. If you give a kid... The the funny thing to me, when I'm watching the movie, he's trying to do this trick with the match, but uh, with the lighter, but it doesn't light up. Nobody ever stopped for a second in the movie to say, why is the kid playing with a lighter? Right? right? Everybody's either watching to see what the magic trick is or watching to see him epic fail and burn his face off. Right? right? That's what you're watching for, which makes you part of the tether. You're a savage, right? But it never goes off. And at the very end of, or, or deeper in the movie, when you get to meet his doppelganger Pluto and Pluto reveals under his mask that his face is burned off, then you're like, well, that's what really happens when kids play with matches. That's supposed to happen. Let, so, me, let me ask but, you this. 
because I and I think I, you got me with the point of okay, it's hard. I get it. So he's not, you know, he's not just trying to, you know, give instruction manual, right? He's trying to give art, make art, something me think about it, whatever, you know. And, and I, I think I'm seeing in Peel a, a, a princening. Um, and what I mean by that is he's, 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 I think, falling into the trap that Prince fell into. You ever notice that you're familiar with Prince's music, obviously, right? Yeah. What's your favorite Prince? What's your favorite Prince song? Oh, that's hard. I can't, I can't say. Favorite. Let me tell you this. I bet you it was sometime before um, the the very latest latest the Sign of the Times album, all right, which is like in the in the in the, in the late eighties, early nineties. I bet you mm-hmm. nothing you, that that you have is from the two thousands, two thousand and ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. All right, because Prince increasingly got arty and it got weird. Right. And I think for Prince, it was always this kind of thing of like, you know, as long as people can understand it, I'm not getting artistic enough. I need to get in there and really, and I'm like, Jordan, listen, all right. You, you, you know, you, you don't want to be living in a big purple house and, you know, and, 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 and get addicted to, to painkillers, brother. Uh, that's what happens if you get arty. All right. You need to stay with the people, you know, do some controversy, 1999 and Prince paid his dues because we got a lot of good, simple music for a long mm-hmm. time. I understood, I right, what um, what controversy was about. I ain't need a, a, a YouTube video to understand uh, what Little Red Corvette was about, or yeah. International Lover, or um, or even it, you know what? I even kind of got what was what was coming down in the Purple Rain. <laughs> okay. All right, because he did a movie, and, and I saw it, and I, I didn't need that movie with, with questions. I knew what was going on in the movie, right? So, okay. Jordan, be careful. All right, brother, you, you're brilliant and you're talented, but you can go too far. I, I want to see you in a jumpsuit next week with seven-inch heels. That's all I'm saying, all right? Try to, try, 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 try to keep it real. Well, you know, I, I think about it from the perspective of if I'm making – he's trying to do something in a genre that uh, black people haven't necessarily been depicted in. Right. Outside of being the first person to die in the first five minutes. <laughs> so if if you are trying to do something that you're catering to a black audience using primarily black characters, then it can't just be a whole bunch of black people getting murdered at one time because just socially that doesn't happen. Right. right? It's like like we start running. That's what we do. Or we fight back. That's what we do. Um, so it, it's not ever going to be that kind of horror movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre in Detroit. Like, right. <laughs> it's just not going to be that kind of movie. What it would be would be playing off of people's fears about uh, the government or about what white people do. Like, you know, that's right. what Get Out was about. Like, white people right. take your body, you know. Um, and it, it'll play off those fears, but it'll also present these like deeper meanings that he's trying to get you to understand. And I think like even for Get Out, I was like, oh, this is so brilliant because this is the message that we, you know, I tell this to to kids all the time where I'm like, look, you can't be ashamed of how you look because people are, you know, putting collagen in their lips. People (laughs) are doing these like Brazilian, you know, butt, you know, things or whatever in the Caribbean, they make their butt bigger. They're trying to look like you. They're tanning. They're trying to look like you because even though they hate, they may not necessarily be in line with blackness. They want the attributes that you naturally have. So you can't walk around feeling ashamed. And the whole point of Get Out was to take that to a whole new, strange and twisted level 
uh, now they can do it. They can just put their soul in your body. Right. And, and they're really it. still covered in right your blackness. I mean, you're, you're, you're right. natural blackness, but you you know your body, right? I, I get, and you right. know what you have, you you know, and I and I get that. And maybe I, you know, in one hand, I got to tell you, you know, that maybe I'm 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 not I'm I'm limiting Jordan Peele in the sense that, you know, we allow this kind of creativity, you know, my white people to do all kind of crazy stuff, right? right? Any kind of you know crazy cinema, new war, you know, the Inception movies, right? But I got to tell you, you know, for a brother like me. I, I walked out of Inception, and mm. I don't, and I didn't pay eight fifty. That's not some bad name price. I paid like twelve dollars, all right, for Inception, and and was in the theater by myself on the road, and walked out of the damn theater, because because mm. I'm like, if you give me two things I don't understand, then 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 either here's what it comes down to me, and it's it's all ego, but either I'm stupid, or you were lazy. And I'm always going to choose you were lazy before I'm stupid, right? <laughs> so I'm assume that if I don't get it, it's on you, right? I'm a goddamn okay. genius. So if I didn't get it, then it must be on you. You were lazy. I'm leaving. All right. Okay. And, and then I'm going to go on Facebook and talk about you, right? And get, try right, to get, right, you know, okay. get, get something solace from it. Um, and so, you know, it might be the case that he just, you know, he's, he's too far beyond me. Right. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, now maybe I shouldn't pigeonhole him and, you know, want him to be, but I do want him to be for me because, I have to go see the black movies. All right. Absolutely. But I don't want to have to go see Graffiti Bridge. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Uh, that no, was when Prince got a little arty. It was horrible. All right. It, it, <laughs> it, it was literally the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And, and, and I remember, but, but I had, you know, I remember sitting there like, this don't make no damn sense. But, but, but the point is, though, is like, I'm going to go see the black movies. So I'm going to go see the next Jordan Peele movie, regardless. All right. He can make sense. If he can make me stand saying the hell with Sean Carter, I'm be still going to go see it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a matinee, but I'm going to go see it. Right. And get my popcorn and everything. And so, I, you know, hopefully um, the next one will either be more accessible to me or he'll hire, you know, uh, somebody to come to theater with me. Uh, explain it to me as it's going oh, on. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have think pieces going on, man, because this I think Jordan Peele movies, even though. I'll say this. I think one of the other problems with Jordan Peele movies is they get overhyped up front. Right. So if you don't know what you're going into, like Get Out, I felt like I was disappointed the first time I watched it. Oh, really? Because people hyped it up to be scary. And, you right, know, right, me, right, like, I watch, right, right, right. I watch scary movies. I'm sorry, white people. I watch scary movies to see the monster kill the white people and <laughs> see how they make stupid decisions that lead them to their demise, right? right. So it's like, oh my God, we're going to lay down in this cornfield at nighttime and see if he passes us by. Like that, that's funny to me, right? So like, that's, that's what I watch. I'm one of those annoying people at the late night movies. It's like, oh, she's stupid. She's stupid. <laughs> but but so, um, I tell you, you know, that's what got me though. You realize this whole movie happened because, you know, little Lapita, um, little ran off like a little white girl. Parents mm-hmm. said, just stand right here. She didn't just wander off a little bit. She wandered miles away. Saw this dark house, creepy, like, oh, couldn't nothing be from here. Walked there by herself. No. And I'm like, God damn, this is a little white girl. That's the blackest little white girl I've ever seen in my life. Because All I'm, that, that I'm 50 and I wouldn't scene, done none of that. That entire scene to me was mm-hmm. was deep. That was that that captured me. Because you've got a dad who's so focused on trying to win prizes because he thinks that's the image of what a father is supposed to be, that Mm -hmm. he's neglecting to spend actual time with his daughter. And then you've got a mom who's trying to seem like she's a mom by 
acting like she's going to leave the, the child with the father and acting like the father's going to do what he's supposed to do so she could be free and go do what she wants to do. And so that what, child... Wait, 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 she had to go pee, didn't she? No, no, no. I think she was going to do something else and she was I just thought she had to go pee. Watch. She said she was going to go pee. And, and, well, even with that... And, and, with, you, and, and by the way, you know, the, the father, just so we're clear here, was also drunk. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but that, that plays into it too. So like he's he's still not doing what he's supposed to do by the child. The child walks away, wanders off, okay, and then when she sees this scary building, the, the lights on the scary building are saying, Know thyself, right? Mm-hmm. So hey, you're right. No child would go in a scary building, but on a deeper plane, no child is that introspective to go into a building that says know thyself, right? right? So she was trying to learn herself. Okay. And she did. Right. She, did. She, she, learned herself, right? she learned herself. She went in there. She saw the other little girl. The other little girl choked out. They <laughs> want you to believe this whole situation of there's two different people. But I think the reality of it is she saw that. And that's when she wasn't scared before. She had no fear of going in that building. But so, from that point forward, she was fearful of everything. But here's the thing is, and this is why I, you know, why I think I, I, you know, and I think, I think I'm right about this. I'm not sure. I don't think Jordan Peele was, was raised in a black family. Cause here's why. When mm-hmm. I saw a little girl go in there and, you know, fall the hell out and, you know, screaming, you know what I thought? I thought black, black parent. I'm like, that's what your ass get. All right. That's what happens. Hard head, make a soft behind. And you know what? You deserve to get ch- choked out and locked up in, in a cage. <laughs> that's what your ass get. Cause we told your ass not to go nowhere and you done ran all off. Uh, <laughs> and that's what I was thinking about it. I like, God damn it. You know, the rest of the movie should have been her getting a whooping. All right. That's how I. <laughs> and Jordan was raised in the suburbs. So he thought we'd be all right with that. Um, but, um, so I, I, I'm I guess I'm I'm going to step back and say that maybe, maybe I didn't understand it all. Um, I'm I'm still not convinced. um, But like I said, I'm going to be at the next one. Um, But if you get too crazy, you know, I didn't go see any more principal movies. So, you know, you can lose me, Jordan. Uh, So be careful. Yeah, man. Well, I I want to ask the the, the, the last big question is, Everybody on their think pieces has been trying to figure out is Jason actually one of the tethered as opposed oh, to oh Putin. god you know Jason <laughs> from, the, from 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 the Friday Thirteenth movies no no Jason the little kid from us oh yeah no no no, no, no. I kind of thought that too but then I realized his tethers all burnt up right which plays into my theory. Okay. okay. My theory, you you know how his tether got burnt up, or at least the final when he finally right. died, got burnt up because Jason was smart enough to realize that Thank the tethered was right. him. Right. So, so he when he started there. walking backwards, his tether right. started walking backwards. So my thing, the other thing is Jason is the one who is kidnapped by Red and he's put in a locker. Now the whole movie, Jason, until he killed his tether, the Jason was afraid of the dark. He would put his truck in the door, right. but in the locker, he's in the dark and he doesn't have his mask on and he's not afraid. Right. And the concept to me, and I don't know if Jordan Peele meant this or if this is just my interpretation, but the concept to me was he was there for two reasons. One, he's there because he gets to see 
Adelaide and Red have this conversation and he overhears their talk Mm -hmm. about how this development came to be. And they're fighting each other and trying to kill each other and somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. But I think the other part of that is he is the only one of the family who was smart enough to realize that there's no such thing, quote unquote, as tethers, right? And so when he's looking at it, what he's really seeing is his mom having her own, she's still fighting against this concept, even though somebody told her exactly what this situation should be and she should have figured this out, right? But she doesn't. She's trying to fight and stab and kill and all that stuff. The last point is with the mom. So the tethered, all they want to do is kill their others and join hands in this hands across America. (laughs) Right? That's all they want to do. The mom, when it gets to the end, you find out that the mom is actually red, right? So she's supposed to be tethered. So why is she driving the car to Mexico as opposed to joining hands with the rest of the tether and being part of this hands across America? Why is that? Because she's not part, she wouldn't raise, she's not part of that community. Well, I mean, she, this is her plan. Like she, she put this whole. No, 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 she did not put that together. Remember, the, 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 you know, the real girl lived down there with them and she put that together. Right. The other, the the red didn't have nothing to do with that. Red just sitting there and red kind of knew that, you know, they were coming for her, but she wasn't the one who put that together. The the girl, the real girl, so I'll say Adelaide, the real girl, right, right. the one who was snatched up and put down there, right. came up with the plan, right? right? But anything that one does... No, no, see, it doesn't go both ways. Other. It doesn't go both ways, though. And that's the thing that's weird here. Remember, all the humans didn't even know the tethers exist. It only goes one way. The connection goes from the human to the tether, but not vice versa. So when the tether gets burned up, the little boy doesn't feel it. Right, it, it, the connection okay. only goes one way. From from which, by the way, which by the way, is a little plot hole here because what should have happened when Adelaide went down down to the tether world, right? She right. should not have had any connection with red, with with red up top because the, remember the connection doesn't go that way. None of the people up top have any connection with the people down below. They don't know they exist. They don't have anything. They don't feel what they feel. They don't have anything. Somehow, Red Adelaide knew what Red was doing up top, which is so backwards, right? She knew what she had for Thanksgiving and what she got for Christmas and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? And that shouldn't right. have happened that way because the people up top don't have any idea what happened to the tethers down below, right? Right. It's a weird thing. So, so, so the idea, for instance, that you know that 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 Red up top had planned this whole thing, uh, I, I don't think so. I think she knew that. You know the, the, the where they were and that they were coming for her, and so she's trying to get the hell to Mexico. Hmm. Well, I, I still think that goes into everybody. Like, I just don't believe that the tethered actually exists. I, I think that the tethered was a concept mm. of people who are trying to take advantage of folks who have lost their way. Like, they're trying to take advantage of folks who are more focused on commercialism and capitalism and not focused on. Being alive, because what are the tethers? They ju- they're just standing in the sun, basking up the sun rays, right? right? And then that whole concept of the Hands Across America. So they played the commercial, and the Hands Across America uh, movement was a movement against hunger in 1986 to have everybody join hands from one coast to the other. Right. It was supposed to be a unifying effort 
but it ended up being a national, well, depending on who you ask, being a national disgrace because a lot of states felt slighted because the hand chain didn't go through their states. Okay. They were very deliberate about what states they put that that chain through. And a lot of the Southern states weren't included. Okay. So the Southern states were like, oh, okay, so we're not good enough to fight hunger. Like we're, we're not good enough to address it. And what was supposed to be a unifying act end up making all these crazy, um, you know, arguments. Then on top of that, you got people like Ronald Reagan who were part of the chain, but Ronald Reagan is also flooding drugs into the community. So, so it's like, how you gonna kill us? But then you go, you causing the hunger, and then See, you gonna talk I about tell you, this is what I mean. You guys, you smart people are making this way too complicated. <laughs> the, the, here's the thing about the, the, the chain across America: the reason that that the Adelaide comes up with this concept, she's the only mm-hmm. one who's seen TV, etc., right? Is because right. she thinks that the way to end hunger would be to stand across. And remember, they're hungry all the time. Right? They never have enough food. So she thinks, hey, I saw this thing on TV. If we can get out there and put our hands across America, we will have food. Right? Mm-hmm. Because that's, you know, the kind of thinking you'd have if you were six and didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so here's the bottom line, though, is that, you know, and maybe, maybe this is a good thing. We, we could sit here and, you know, have different interpretations of, of, of the movie. But to me, if you spend $100 million, you might want to tell me that. Right? I, I might not have to guess it. $100 million. All right, you might okay. want to go ahead and let me know. I should have to watch your your A and E your interview on e, on ETV to try to figure right. out you know what, what you meant by this because you could have just explained it um, in in the context of, of the movie. But hey, good for Jordan Peele. We could sit here and 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 discuss this for for hours, and maybe that's the point of, of, of great art. I do know. Um, that when we do the, um, what's the name of the new Avenger movie? Uh, Endgame. Endgame. All right. We're not going to be arguing about, oh, did this Thanos get all the, 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 like when we had the Infinity War, did he get all the, 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 what was it called? The jewels and, uh, Infinity Infinity Stone. I think it has a metaphor. No, no, no. It got got (laughs) disappeared. I knew exactly what the hell happened. Uh, I want Black Panther back. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, different genres and different movies and we'll see what happens. You know, I do like the fact that I guess I should be proud that he's not just making, you know, the standard movie, right? And that he actually, this is kind of impressive, you know, he broke away from race, um, which, here's the thing is, though, I never get tired of race. He could have done a hundred movies about race, I'd been fine with it. I don't think in America, (laughs) we we, we talk about it too much. Um, But, um, but, you know, this could have been any family, right? This could have been a white family. I I think this is focused on primarily black consumerism. I think the us is black consumers. I think it was focused on us. And, and white people um, don't have that same issue? Well, you know, I think about it like this. So the white people who were on there were there for two reasons. So the main white people were there because they set a standard of living that Gabe was jealous of. Okay. That's what he wanted, right? But it was Gabe's consumerism that pushed him to want to get the boat and all that stuff. Now, they got killed by their tethers as well. But their death in those tethers, that was literally like five minutes of the movie. Right. So that wasn't really even a relevant part to move anything. It was just showing, hey, you're a consumer. You're going to get A2, but you're not going to be put through the torture and the planned uh, strategy that this black family has to deal with because of, you know, all these historic things that have happened between these two women. 
or one woman, depending uh, on your. No, no, no. And I'll give you this: there might be something there about the fact that you know, because you know, she kept saying to her, like, you know, you could have just taken me with you, or you didn't have to replace me. You know, she, you know, when 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 Red escaped, she could have just escaped. Right, taking you know Adeline with her, and the two of them could have gone. Versus, you know, she you know sold her out in the sense that she drug her all the way back down there, mm-hmm. right, and made yeah. her sort of take her place, which is you know kind of messed up. I mean, not kind of messed up, but it, you know, it it is definitely not a lot of you know uh, red and black, red and Adelaide unity, right? It's like she wasn't yeah. looking out for her sister, right? And so maybe he was trying to make a statement there, right? Yeah. It's so easy to make a statement. When you have microphones and cameras, you could just make <laughs> and characters. They could just say things, and we would know what the hell you're talking about, George. God damn it! And now I'm getting more mad. Don't make me get mad. Um, <laughs> on, on, on the final note, we, I think it's going to be our record long podcast. Do we have any other things that we had to talk about? Oh my god! With regard to blackness and science fiction, the black hole. Yes. Let me just the say for hole. a second about the black hole. So today is what April tenth. The world, the scientific world, is excited that we've finally proven the existence of black holes. Let me be clear: no, we haven't. What we <laughs> think we see is a picture, a vid, an image of a black hole that, as it existed. 55 million years ago, because that's how long it would take the light to get from where that is to where we are. It is a distance that I cannot even create a number for in miles. It is absolutely astronomical a distance. And I have a feeling that maybe, maybe what we're seeing is a black hole, but actually it's almost certain that it's not. Because we don't always see things clearly at a distance of 55 million light years over right. 55 million years of time, right? We, 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 the right. image gets distorted a little bit. We remember, you and I can't agree on what we saw about a movie we saw two weeks ago, all right? <laughs> In the physics world, we, our, our, our scientists couldn't tell us that Pluto wasn't a planet until about four weeks ago, all right? Mm. We grew up as a kid. All of us thought Pluto was a planet, or at least a Disney character. It was one or the other. And now we don't think it's either. I think it's goofy and, and not even a planet, right? And, and the bottom line is that's in our solar system. That is so many more times closer to us. It's not even any light years away from us, right? And we couldn't yeah. see it. And we're talking about something that was, you know, happened literally when the dinosaurs were here. We certainly can't tell you what happened with the dinosaurs. 55 million years ago, and they were on this planet. So the idea that we think we arrogantly have figured out what the black hole is, I want to say, uh, slow down. All right? Um, let's just look at the pretty picture and go, oh, that's pretty. We have no idea what the hell that is, because we don't. Well, no, I just want to say, in, in case there are any aliens living in the black hole, <laughs> they're probably going to describe you as black aliens. So you want to watch <laughs> out for any red and blue lights that you see headed your way, particularly if they're coming from Earth, um, and <laughs> you know we're we're not the best community of people to, to try to mesh with. So you probably just want to wait it out until our sun explodes, and, and then we'll be all. <laughs> but but here, here's the thing, is Jesse, the message that you and I are putting out, right? They right. won't get for another fifty-five million. Years. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm sorry, sound actually travels a lot even uh, slower than, than light. Uh, it, it, it'll be a trillion years before they get the message. I assume <laughs> that in a trillion years, black lives might matter, but I'm not sure. I won't, I won't make that prediction. Uh, exactly. Yeah, Fair enough. Get a little crazy. Get a little crazy. Get a little crazy. And 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 I, here's the thing: it, it, it's funny to me. It, it's not a big deal. Like I try to, you know, I was, I, was I, I made this rant earlier to, to my wife, and she's like, "Really, Sean? This is this is what we gonna we're gonna we're gonna be mad about today?" Um, right. But here's the thing that get gets crazy about this stuff: it's like you can only be wrong about three times before people stop believing you, right? <laughs> and so I like science. I think it's important. I think there are things on this planet that science would be really good at curing, like, I don't know, uh, the ozone or like uh, making sure that all of, you know, Louisiana, at least Bourbon Street, don't flood the next time we have, you know, one, three inches of rain. How about this? I would like us to be able to get water in Flint, Michigan. Clean water. Wow. I know, crazy. I'm not crazy, right? I'm going to get crazy, (laughs) right? And the point is this, though, is that you know what? Until you figure out those challenges, you might want to leave that shit that happened 55 million years ago on the back burner, right? <laughs> because we got 55 million years before, before to, to really worry about before they get here. All right. So let's for now try to figure out how to get water in Flint. And then you can come on back to this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If, if only, man, I think some of the time they, they, they like looking towards, what science could possibly be while mm-hmm. folks ignore what science is right now. Absolutely, <laughs> right? Because, you know, that yeah. require, you, you, and, and that's the thing is to, to me, it's like, you know, you out there making educated guesses about, you know, what happened in another galaxy far, far away, but, but Flint, Michigan ain't that far, far away, right? <laughs> we could figure that out if you get your damn head out of that telescope. And help me and, and go get you and, and go get you a damn avion truck. And you know, let's 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 handle our business here and then we can worry about what happened, you know, with the dinosaurs. Because I'm convinced well, that I know what happened with the dinosaurs. I know exactly what happened. What they happened? were black, they got hypertension, <laughs> and, you know, they were eating bad and they you know eating, eating, eating hog malls and chitlins and, and they died early. That's what happened. That's, that's what happened to everybody I know. I thought you were going to say the white caveman. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. It made it easier when, you know, they all had, you know, lost a leg to diabetes. But for the most part, it was was a diet and exercise. (laughs) I I just want to put this message out there for, for any of our listeners who happen to be in Flint, Michigan. What I will say is there's a new flavor of Coke out. It's orange vanilla Coke. Okay. Uh, So make sure that you... Uh, go down to your local neighborhood store and get it. Hopefully, if we say it as much as everybody else has been saying it on their podcast, maybe Coca-Cola will cut us a check, too. So, orange vanilla <laughs> Coke. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I'm going to say it's delicious. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, here's the thing about it is, is that, you know, part of me as a black man is like, it's orange, right? You can't you can't beat orange. I mean, orange is going right. to be good, right? If they've been right. orange, great. I'd, I'd be orange in a minute. But vanilla, really? <laughs> I guess it's I mean, better than chocolate coke, but come on, man! I'm trying know, to orange coke. Orange coke is sun kissed, you know. Like, I don't know. Can't, can't we have nothing? We can't even have coke without you throwing some vanilla in it. Really? <laughs> Can a black man have something? Oh man! 
Well, I'll just say, I mean, you know, for those of you who haven't already followed us on social media, make sure that you do that. Uh, we're on Facebook as Brothers in Law. That's B-R-U-T-H-A-S-N-L-A-W, Brothers in Law. Uh, we tend to post random stuff throughout the, the <laughs> weeks that affect black culture or that are just interesting things that you might want to post memes on. Also, for anybody listening to this podcast, we would love for you to leave uh, some more. We've had some really good responses. Uh, we would love to increase that number or multiply that times 100 uh, so that we can get the good folks at iTunes and iHeartRadio and all these other uh, distribution services to start taking notice of us and the quality work that we're putting out here uh, for you guys uh, at, at what is free of charge, at least for now. Uh, so, <laughs> so definitely continue to uh, support us. We appreciate all of you. I want to give a special shout out to uh, my homegirl, Tracy Wright, who I ran into at a alumni mixer over the weekend who uh, basically was telling everybody about our podcast that she could find. She said it's the most hilarious thing she's ever heard. Uh, and so I want to make sure we give a special shout out to her as well as Christina Monson. We appreciate you continuing to listen and support us uh, from afar as well. Uh, and, and just thank you for tuning in because we are 28 episodes deep and uh, none of this would have been possible if we didn't have people listening. So great. <laughs> absolutely hey everybody thanks so much uh we'll, we'll see you in about two weeks <laughs>